episode-by-episode podcast review of CBS's action-adventure series MacGyver. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. And I'm Richard Wells. And today we'll be tackling Season 3, Episode 12, Early Retirement. The original air date for this episode was January 18th, 1988. It was directed by Cliff Bowl, and it was written by John Welpley, who had previously written Widowmaker and uh, as we mentioned before he wrote the teleplay for Tremors 3 and the screenplay for Tremors 5 mm-hmm. which looks awful <laughs> but check it out maybe I'm wrong I, I didn't watch the whole thing so I really should I, I owe yeah. it to that franchise um, so yeah so why don't we go over this one in brief uh, in this episode an accident while dismantling a nuclear missile under Pete's guidance uh, forces him to resign from the Phoenix Foundation right um, and where do we start this episode? Well, we start this episode with the dismantling of a nuclear missile in right. the middle of a city. <laughs> this is uh, the the new set for the Phoenix Foundation that we've seen once before in uh, Killzone. Yeah. And, um, it's like a research warehouses. Yeah, and uh, it's literally labeled warhead dismantlement <laughs> facility or something like something along those lines yeah that you would not label a place with like live intercontinental yeah. ballistic missile ammunition it, it seems like this is like you'd be doing it underground in the desert and it would be in as secret as possible because right. you wouldn't want people to come in here and steal these missiles exactly yeah because because especially once you take out the nuclear material that's a lot easier to transport than the missile itself. Yeah, and the first thing we learn is that not only have these missiles been transported to the Phoenix Foundation in less than secret conditions, but they were all still loaded with fuel yeah, for the transport. fully fueled and ready to launch. Like, when you're driving on the freeway and you see, like, military trucks go by with, like, blankets over their stuff, like, imagine if not only was that a missile, but it was full of explosive rocket fuel. <laughs> that seems yeah. dangerous to get in an accident like, with. Like, e- e- even the German... Germans with the V2 mobile sites, they kept the fuel away from the yeah, rocket. until it was time to launch immediately. Yeah. Like, you fuel it the second you, you're about to set it off. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. So they have the two issues to work out with this uh, missile disarmament. Right, uh, there's disarm- two stages to it. Disarmament? Disarmament. Disarmament, sure. Yeah. Yes. That's <laughs> uh, when you disarm an Altoid. Right. Uh, eh. <laughs> Get out. Get out. Elsewhere. <laughs> I'm gonna open up a tin of Altoids. I'm gonna be like super careful to remove the mints. <laughs> <laughs> These are dangerously strong. Uh, so the we we see them removing the nose cone, uh, which contains the warhead and trigger, and they go through like this elaborate process of like powering the warhead so that they can open up these trigger locks and remove the. Uh, I'm I'm assuming the the ballistic cap that ignites. The warhead. Right. And our, our first thought, I think, was that this is a pretty awesome-looking prop. And yeah. We kind of oh, both yeah. wondered what movie they borrowed it from. Because yeah. this is not a MacGyver original, I don't think. No, no. This is this is, this is is not the missile he th- flings over his shoulder. This is like right. a full-sized scale missile. Yeah. That, and then they are even, like, have the warhead, the, the, the nose cone up on a crane, and they're moving and it they, around. Yeah, they have, like, a thing that they that's, like, specially designed to receive the cone once mm-hmm. they disconnected it from the rest of the fuselage so you know it's it's a pretty procedural opening like you know they're they're talking on the radios okay next team do this blah 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 um and the score is hinting at an impending accident mm-hmm. even though in this first scene we don't actually get one right yeah it's building up tension that yeah. you're we're dealing with this uh potential explosives yeah and uh, but success MacGyver and uh, the team MacGyver's running point on this we should point that out yeah uh that that he is he is the front man directing traffic on the ground and they actually have people visiting to supervise and make sure that things are going well and right everything goes off without a hitch for this first because day. this this is their first missile that they've dismantled they've been doing like tests and, and and drills and stuff but this is the first missile that will determine whether or not they'll have the capacity to continue to do and, other missiles and each of these missiles has loaded stamped along the side of it right and so once this first one is officially disarmed macgyver is is uh given the opportunity to actually paint out the loaded right the loaded message so now it's just a white missile that's been disarmed officially yeah but still fueled right still fueled mm-hmm. um it's not nuclear but it's still got very explosive yeah it's fuel liquid it. oxygen or whatever that they they fuel these rockets with yeah uh so you know uh 
from here we go to the foundation where Pete is talking with Ed Farrell, who is one of the Phoenix Foundation board members. And this is what I'm really excited about this because this is the first time that we see the board. Pete's talked about it. Right. Um, you know, he's mentioned that, that he has superiors or, or committees. And occasionally he blames the board for his inability to fund something. Yeah. How am I supposed to explain this to the board? Yeah. And so we actually get to see the deciding members of the Phoenix Foundation Ed in this Farrell, scene. who's like, it seems like an old college buddy of Pete's. Like yeah. They, they definitely have like a personal relationship in addition to the yeah. professional. I, I think that he says that, that uh, he is a former DXS, although... In this episode, they're... The DXS has been miraculously transformed to the DSX for yeah. whatever reason. The, the Department of Security External. Like, I want, maybe there wasn't a show Bible, and... I, I don't guess. know, like, it just seems like... I mean, how long has it been since we mentioned the DXS by name specifically? I guess, like... Lost Love, because yeah. MacGyver refers to Pete as former DXS. Yeah. So it hasn't really been that long. That was this season. Mm -hmm. There's not a great excuse for the fact that they already forgot the name of the company that MacGyver worked for for the entire first season of the show. Yeah, exactly. And they, how many times have they said it? Even the actors have to know. Yeah, and like, you were saying, like, the actors must have been on set, like, this is supposed to be DXS, right? And, or, like, yeah. am, I, am I reading this wrong? It says DSX in the script, and the director was probably just like, just read what we wrote down. Yeah, just, the writers will give me hell if you don't say what they wrote. Uh, yeah, so they, I'm going to refer to it as the DXS. Yeah. But I every time I, I say it, just know in the episode they say DSX. It's pretty clear that they do mean DXS because yeah. they refer to it in the same almost derogatory way. Right. Like, oh, this is not, this is not the ideal company to be working for, even though we both worked there and saved yeah, a yeah. lot of lives with that company. Yeah, well, yeah, MacGyver. And our yeah. friend Craig still works there and he's great. Mm hmm But we don't like it. God, I wish there were more stuff with Craig Bannister. Yeah. They should bring that guy back into the fold all the time. But uh, Ed Farrell is worried that Pete is pushing himself too hard. Right. Like, he, he's overseeing too many aspects of the missile disarmament, and he says, you should take a step back and, and delegate this to some of the other crew. And then Pete starts ripping on him because he just beat him at some golf. company golf tournament. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I'm too stressed out. I just destroyed you. In a golf tournament. <laughs> um. And uh, so at the board meeting, um, Reese is there, right? I mean, he's at the. He's, which yeah, I he, thought was strange. He works for DSX. Yeah, because uh, he uh, he was. I don't think Kellum's there. I no. think it's, it's just Reese and Weber. Weber. Yeah. So um, so at the board meeting, it's Farrell, Pete, and then uh, these Re two new characters, right? Matt Weber and, and Walter Reese. Yeah, and Reese, we saw. Like in a hazmat suit, they refer to him, but you can't really see what he looks right. like. This, this yeah. was our first time kind of seeing him. Um, uh, so Weber uh, is kind of uh, pushing it, against this new plan that's coming up for the Phoenix Foundation to welcome uh, 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 the president Yaman Umunde from was it the Republic the of Sambaka. Sambaka. Um, uh, he's against the idea because this is his first American visit. And he's been... He basically spends all of his time, like, Hugo Chavezing, like, just talking yeah. about how terrible America is. And uh, it seems like it's it's actually more of a reference to Fidel Castro. Right. Because they talk about embargoes and they talk about a reconciliation between Correct. the nations. Yeah. So this is, this is like, an historic... This would be if Fidel Castro came to America on a goodwill tour and who would be handling his security. Right. And so in, this is just a second mission that's going alongside the disarmament. And Pete's trying to oversee that one too, mm -hmm. but um, and that's part of what they're thinking. He's spreading himself too thin, um, and, dealing with both of these cases. And and Weber's taking up a stance of the Phoenix Foundation shouldn't be involved with this because this guy's clearly against America and American values. Honestly, I kind of feel he has a little bit of a point. Like, like but it seems like the most unprofessional thing to say yeah. during a, during a meeting where it's like we're trying to reconcile with another nation, like. It doesn't help to bring up the fact that he's been crapping all over our foreign right. policy, like publicly. It's like that doesn't matter. We're here to fix that. That's yeah. the whole point of this mission. Yeah. And this guy, and he's complaining about how paranoid the guy is. But clearly, this guy is operating under his own level of paranoia. Yeah, but it's but it's also like how people would like, oh, well, Fidel Castro is so crazy, and then it turns out that the CIA tried to kill him like a hundred times. Yeah. It's like, maybe he's not paranoid. Maybe he's just tired of almost getting killed by people. 
every time he eats an orange, it's like you, you peel. They would like they'd like poison his toothpaste. They do yeah. all sorts of crazy stuff. There was a plan on the books to like light cats on fire and let them run around in the fields and burn all of their food products. <laughs> like there was crazy, crazy CIA stuff. Oh man, lighting cats on fire. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that's not funny. That's horribly tragic. But <laughs> that that that. But that, you kind of want to see an overhead picture of it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just want to see the the get pitch out. meeting get out of, of that. That's terrible. Um, so yeah, how do you stand up and say, okay, so you know how when you light a cat on fire, it runs all over the place, right? <laughs> no. Sorry, what sorry. What are you talking about, Weber? Back, back up, back up to cats on fire. <laughs> uh, so the the plan for a moon day's visit is to uh, is misdirection to tell the public that he's going to be staying at this hotel. So all the press and all that stuff waits for like a glimpse and stuff like that. But in actuality, Meanwhile. he's on like a private train car in the middle of an open rail yard, uh, which seems less much secu- more susceptible to yeah. an attack. Uh, so th- that's where they're planning on, on stashing him. I assume they would have a lookalike stay at the hotel. I guess. I mean, because otherwise they would know immediately. Oh, well, he never checked in. Yeah, so he's, he's not, not here. here. Um, uh, uh, Weber uh, and Pete discuss like the the whole notion of the visit outside of the boardroom. Right. And you know Weber is again pushing like hard the terrorist level of uh, a moon day, and Pete's saying, "Well, we don't know for sure." Uh, I don't think he would agree to come here and be like under the sight and scrutiny of all of our best security and try and pull off a terrorist. Stunt. Exactly. Um. Uh, but Pete convinced, you know, Pete seems to convince him, and he says, well, you know, Weber says, yeah, I'm going to do my best. And then he says, how do you want your men involved in this mission, and in what capacity? And so then Pete starts saying, well, I want this person to do this, this person yeah. to do this, and just sort of lays it out, like, how the Phoenix Foundation agents are going to be involved in this DXS operation, or DSX. <laughs> the actor here who plays Matt Weber is Madison Mason, uh, and he's in a lot of MacGyvers, actually. He'll come back for three more episodes, one of which is... Uh, 419 Unfinished Business, which is technically a clip show. Mm. Um, but then he'll come back in 517 Deep Cover and 612 Jericho Games. He seems to be a favorite of Michael Bay's because he was in the new Ninja Turtles that Bay produced and Pearl Harbor and the first Transformers that were both directed by Michael Bay. Yeah. Um, he's also the captain of the ship in the Bermuda Triangle X-Files episode. Mm-hmm, which I think it's just called Triangle. I think so. It's uh, it's a good episode, though. It's um, got everybody. It's got the yeah. lone gunman. It's got the smoking man. Well, I told you we were there when they shot it, right? No. They shot it on the Queen Mary. And I went well, that with, makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Th- I went with um, my my friend Jeff down to the Queen Mary, and uh, we were walking around on the deck, and a bunch of it was like taped off, like, you can't come in here, they're shooting. And then we it was all Fox labels and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And then probably four months later... It was there was an X Files episode that was shot on the Queen Mary, and I was like, "Oh, that's crazy!" That <laughs> yeah, makes you were there. Sense. Um, and he also actually played uh, Donald Rumsfeld on That's My Bush. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was only in one episode of that show, but that was an underrated show. It's actually yeah, that's crazy show. I can't believe that ever actually came into being. Um, so uh, now, uh, like, we're kind of like we we have this random scene here uh, at an ice skating rink. Right. Yeah. And Which I, maybe they just shot this when they shot the next episode. The I really episode. feel that they did. Yeah. Um, we should rewatch and compare the compare the stadium and the costumes and everything too. Mm-hmm. Because MacGyver's skating around and there's an unknown goalie at the goal, like you know, goading him on to to take a shot. Yeah. And uh, so MacGyver like skates up to three pucks that he has and takes three shots. Uh, and uh, all three get blocked. And all three get blocked, and the goalie then removes his mask, and it's Pete. Uh, you know, like super excited that he blocked all of MacGyver's shots. And I think part of the point here is for the viewers to realize, no, Pete is on top of his game. Yeah. Like he's a successful goalie against MacGyver, Mm -hmm. arguably the best hockey player on the planet. (laughs) At least the best Phoenix Foundation. At least on the rink right now. Um, and, um, MacGyver is, is, tells Pete that the reason he's got him there is to help him with the stress. Yeah. And Pete also now takes offense because Ed Farrell had already had this conversation with him, and now MacGyver is like babying him. It's like, oh, you need to, you know. And I, we haven't really seen any evidence that he's losing his touch. Like, yeah, it feels like Farrell must have put him up to this. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that's maybe even the doing of of Weber. Like, maybe he went to Ed and said, "Look, doesn't it seem like Pete's kind of 
pushing himself too far, like specifically to make him look bad right before yeah, his yeah, accident. Yeah. But spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler. <laughs> um, so nothing happens in this scene. Like right. MacGyver's telling Pete to relax, and and they play hockey. Yeah. Um, so we go back to the foundation where Weber and Nikki Carpenter are having a little meeting, and we get the little hint that uh, more than a hint, really, yeah. uh, blatant that they are in a semi-romantic relationship. We also get a taste of Weber's insanity because he has a shrunken head. Yeah. In a plexiglass case on his desk mm-hmm. which is weird and uh it's also probably to show because mike macgyver will bring up later that he's been all over to all these different countries right. and yeah, stuff yeah. like that um he uh, weber that is he uh is flirting with uh nikki a lot like you know he's really trying to push in for like a little bit of uh make out time but she's like all business today she right. she has the Amunde thing to plan and uh, she says like you know Right now is not a good time. Let's wait till this all this whole thing kind of comes to an end before we can get back to, to to our thing. Yeah. And Weber seems to kind of okay with it. And Nikki mentions that she's working on the security protocols, and Weber subtly asks for a copy of it for himself so right. he can yeah, coordinate. Yeah, yeah. And from here, we now go to Weber meeting another gentleman at the train station, uh, Acres, right? Who is another former DX. S agent who was referred to as a DSX agent. Yeah. And he will come back for two more MacGyver's. He's in 412 the challenge and 520 rush to judgment. Mm. And while they're walking around, uh, Weber is discussing that Amunde is coming for a visit to America. Right. And he's, and acre seems like really interested in this. And then Reese is with them too, right? Uh, Reese will be meeting them in the train car. Okay. Um, they meet Kellum next. Okay. And Kellum is revealed to be a NSA. Kellum is the younger guy with the, or the shorter guy with the mustache. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Kellum is active NSA operative, and he's been called in here as well. And then when they get to the train car that's next door to Amunde's train car, um, uh, that's where uh, Reese is waiting for them. Right. And Reese is, uh, the actor's name is Paul Batten, and he's another um, multi-episode character. We had him as Pettigrew in Lost Loves Part 1 and 2, mm-hmm. and he's going to come back for 521 Passages. Okay. Which I think is the one where MacGyver goes to heaven and sees his parents. Okay. Could be wrong, but I think that's the case. I, I know that episode, I just can't remember the title. Yeah. It's a crazy episode, though. It all yeah. takes place like on a ship and things yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, It's like the river sticks. Um, so uh, they start discussing their plan to capture Amunde, bring him next door, <laughs> and then... Uh, uh, Weber has like a, a a case full of syringes and and tubes uh, containers of liquids. You know, I don't know what you call those vial, the vial that you put a syringe in to yeah, I don't remove. Really know like, I'm yeah. sure maybe it is just a vial. Yeah. Um, uh, he's got that and like like there's a tourniquet, a tube tourniquet and stuff like that. So they're planning to chemically torture him into revealing his information on his terrorist uh, network. Yeah. Um, but obviously Reese is concerned that's going, oh, well, we're not going to be able to get close to him with Pete Thornton looking over our shoulder this yeah, whole yeah, time. Yeah. And that's when Weber hints that there's going to be some changes at the Phoenix Foundation. Yeah, he's planned yeah. all of this out in advance. He knows exactly what's going to happen as soon as his plane goes into... Yeah, he like he, he's really playing the long game on this one. Yeah. So we're now at stage two of the missile disarmament, and uh, that's the defueling process. Right. Which should have been done before. Yeah, probably before the warhead even. Yeah. Because, dang, really? Yeah. Um, so they have an elaborate pump system set up to... Uh, and they, they also had to wait for a, a weather condition to be favorable. Yeah, it's like the atmospheric pressure inside the the building. Where right. Working, yeah. yeah, and probably whatever uh, static energy in the air, you know? Yeah, the static and the humidity and whatever would cause an... A problem. Yeah. I, I imagine the water in the air could cause a short if it were... Damp. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, they start draining out the missile, and uh, things seem to be running pretty well. They they reach what they call zero volume in the missile. Right. But then, all of a sudden, uh, there's a, an electrical discharge. We get inserts of things here, mm-hmm. and one of them seems to be like a spark plug. Yeah. That's just in a tube that lights up, and then... And then uh, we get a seismograph. Yeah. <laughs> we get a whole bunch of needles and... running, going back and forth rapidly. Yeah. And uh, alarms are blaring. 
And then there's a massive, not massive, but there's a large explosion inside the hangar. Yeah. And uh, we get a horrific scene of a guy in a hazmat suit totally just, engulfed. Yeah, it's just melting around him as yeah. he's running around on fire. Um, MacGyver runs down and throws like a big blanket over him to try to put him out. Uh, medics and uh, guys in like more flame retardant hazmat suits, like the silvery kind of hazmat suits, they're rushing in and putting out the fires. And maybe everyone should have been in those. Yeah, I can, yeah, right. The metallic ones, yeah, the ones that don't catch fire. Because there's no radiation, because there's no more nuclear material. So really, the only risk here is fire, and you're all in hazmat suits that don't protect you from fire. Exactly, they only protect you from chemicals. Right. Uh, so, uh, they don't say it yet, but the, the end result of this explosion is that, uh, that three men are dead and eight are being, have been, will be hospitalized. Right. And, uh, one of the paramedics that we have coming out to, to retrieve bodies of injured and, and dead people, um, is the actor's name is Carrie Hutchings and he will play another paramedic in, uh, Blood Brothers next season. Okay. He's just their go-to paramedic actor. Mm-hmm. He's probably a member of the crew. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. He's probably like their actual like on-site medic in case something happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, Act Two opens up with the Phoenix Foundation board discussing the incident, um, which appears to have been an accident. But Pete admits that he was the last one to check on the pumping system, and it was never checked again after he checked it. Right. Um, and so he is willing to accept full blame for the deaths and the incident. Even though if he checked it once, that's the same as somebody else checking it five times. Yeah, exactly. Because Pete's on top of his stuff. Well, clearly he wasn't because... <laughs> he didn't catch the spark plug that had been added to the fuels. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's really his bad. He didn't catch the sabotage. Yeah, really? I mean, that, that's almost his fault. Yeah, actually. Now I blame Pete for this whole episode. <laughs> um... The, uh, the government agents are really displeased with this whole situation, um, and they want somebody's head, according yeah. to Ed Farrell. They want – someone needs to be fired. Pete's, like, already trying to take the blame, and he's like, no, I don't think you understand, Pete. Like, they want me to fire someone. And he's like, no, you don't understand, Ed. I've been volunteering my job. Yeah. No, no, but yeah, you're, you're, you're quitting. I need to fire you. <laughs> it's not the same thing. It looks yeah. better on a resume if you said you quit versus being fired. Plus, there's a benefit to you. You get unemployment if I fire you. Yeah, exactly. Um, or maybe not because it's like a de- misconduct. A, yeah, a deadly accident. Yeah. Um, and uh, from here, man, we go, we go four days later uh, to pete returning to his home where macgyver apparently has where been. has he been for these four days like he quit and he just disappeared he just disappeared yeah no uh, macgyver didn't even know where he went it seems like an unnecessary plot point yeah <laughs> just yeah. have him just getting home from having quit yeah and exactly like hey where have you been all day there was a terrible <laughs> accident this morning and i was trying to get a hold of you you missed the funerals I watered all your plants while you were gone for six hours. <laughs> I didn't. I guess they had, they had to have an excuse for him to be there. I guess. But they could have said, "I heard you quit. I came here as soon or, as I heard." I was worried about you because there was an accident twelve hours ago. Yeah, and people and so died. People died, and I couldn't get a hold of you. Uh, but instead, they chose to go four days later. Yeah. And uh, basically, and to remind us that he definitely wasn't camping or fishing because he hates both of those things. Mm-hmm. Yet. He freely admits that he has a boat in this episode. And he has a cabin we've seen before. Yeah. Well, not anymore. <laughs> he had right, a cabin. Yeah. He, Murdoch burned torched. it to the ground. It got torched pretty good. <laughs> I'm sure. He has a cabin site that you can camp on. Yeah, exactly. It's actually better for him for tax reasons, that there's yeah. no structures yeah, on the property. No, uh, no property taxes. <laughs> um, MacGyver is trying to convince Pete to unretire, to like, de-retire tire just just tire can you tire please um that to tell the board that you overreacted you're willing to accept consequences but not to lose your job but pete is this is my fault i can't i clearly can't do my job anymore what better note to go out on than having murdered five men yeah and just living with the guilt the rest of my life yeah or this is kind of how i imagined my retirement going not like a cake or anything <laughs> i thought maybe i'd set five people on fire and just walk out in a literal blaze of glory <laughs> most people burn bridges <laughs> i burned dr bridges 
one of our best men. He will be missed. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, Pete convinces MacGyver that he's fine to leave him alone, basically. Yeah. Uh, This is the reverse of friends, you know? I mean, Pete should understand what MacGyver's trying to do. Yeah. Because... But even now, like, MacGyver's not giving up on it, and he's like, okay, this is... Something's up, because... You blocked all three of my shots, so yeah. I know you were on top of your game. I'm going to go figure out what they screwed up. Right. Um, but uh, Pete heads into, uh, sorry, MacGyver heads into the Foundation first. To talk to Weber, who right. was already taking over as Pete's replacement. Yeah. Because like, he was basically endorsed by Pete on his way out. Right. And Weber's already, like, taking out Pete's stuff of the office and yeah, putting his stuff. moving in chairs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Nikki is there, and... Uh, Weber wants to remove her from the security. Yeah. But she defends her position and doesn't yield. So she's still on the security. Um, Which is weird. I feel like, I mean, if the the only reason that he would be moving her is because he's actually interested in maintaining a relationship with her. Right. Right. Which I feel like if he was still interested in doing that, he would be like, sorry, I'm your boss. You have to move to this other department. But that would but that would have upset her, and that would have probably. But would it have upset her more than finding out that he was trying to kill this guy and then probably shooting her? I guess I guess he was gambling that that she wouldn't find out and they could continue having their relationship. She would be on the security detail and just not wonder where the guy went for a couple days. Yeah, (laughs) he surely couldn't be in this train car next door. because that would be ridiculous. Although I do hear a weird scream (laughs) coming from the, the next train over. Maybe the train car was going to be moving soon. <laughs> I yeah. hope I hope that was the plan, yeah. that the train would leave. That would make sense. Um, We're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's the way we do it. Yeah. Um, and uh, MacGyver interrupts their meeting because uh, he wants to take a closer look at the accident site. But Weber is saying, no, that's not going to happen. Yeah. And But instead, Weber says, I got these other jobs for you. These really, like, green, environmentally friendly... MacGyver good jobs you should yeah, yeah. like that you'd be really interested in. Yeah. Um he's real he's clearly he's just trying, trying to push him away. Like, exactly. Like go deal with this stuff. You, this is your kind of stuff. You'd like Why this. Why don't you go pick trash up off the side of the freeway while I kill foreigners? <laughs> that's a, that's what you like, right? Picking trash <laughs> up. Um yeah. You pick up the trash, I take out the trash. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I'm liking Weber more and more <laughs> every day. <laughs> um so uh, MacGyver, but MacGyver turns him down, like, because MacGyver. Like, no, I have the uh, my contract says I can just refuse a direct order. Apparently, you know, because he is freelance, and they bring that up a couple times in this episode that that he doesn't have to answer to anybody. Well, I thought when she said he was freelance, that was in reference to his specific decision to investigate the crime scene. Uh, I I I felt it was because he's, he's freelance the, at Phoenix Foundation? at the Phoenix Foundation. And that's crazy. And I feel like he doesn't have anyone he has to report to because Nikki says. Again, getting ahead of ourselves, but Nikki says, you're freelance. I have to report to somebody. I have to follow the chain of command. So what does that even mean when in Friends he's going to retire? It's like you don't even work here. Yeah. You're freelance. You're freelance retirement. By retire, you just mean you're not going to wander into this building again? Yeah. Like, with your, with your security. Every day you're retired. Mm-hmm. Every time you finish a job, you are again retired. It's a it's a very strange relationship. Yeah. Maybe maybe his, his thing only was with Pete. His deal with with was with Pete, and Pete exiting made him freelance, and now he has to decide to take. Yeah, it's I I, I don't have an explanation. They don't delve that far into it, yeah. so, so we won't. Uh, uh, at the train yard now, Amunde has arrived, so right. the 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 plans are getting ready to get uh, executed, if you will. Uh, um, as uh, Amunde arrives and Weber, uh with his new team because uh, he's replaced everybody else on the security with the uh with acres the DSX Reese, and, and Kellum. yeah yeah, yeah. uh he welcomes a moon day <laughs> he's like we hope your trip here in america will be good perhaps yeah. <laughs> like a moon day is like super stoic and not like or he's a... psychic and he knows exactly who this guy yeah. is <laughs> um at the uh accident site MacGyver sweet talks his way past the security guard who's just kind of like sitting there and uh, starts poking around at the evidence. And uh, Nikki then arrives and pretty much calls out the security guard like, 
this MacGyver's not supposed to be here. Yeah. You should probably go. Yeah. He's like, wait, I thought this was a closed uh, facility. Why is why is he here? And he's like, mm. oh, well, I assumed he had... Uh, he had clearance. He had clearance. And she's like, shouldn't you know if he has clearance or not? Yeah. Effectively firing Sam. Uh. But as they're both kind of like going over, MacGyver is kind of upset with her about not caring about Pete. And she she says, hey, I do care about Pete, yeah. you know, but I also have a job to do kind of thing, you know. Yeah. The the Sam character, by the way, the security guy, he's played by an actor named Jackson Davies. And uh, he plays uh, Mr. Maller and Freddie Got Fingered, who is like the psychiatrist that uh, plays a pivotal point in the, in the title <laughs> reference. But also, uh, this is his first of five episodes of MacGyver. He comes back in 511 The Madonna as Father Pat Lafferty. Um, potentially related to Kate Lafferty, who knows? Oh, yeah. Uh, and then he will become a semi regular character. He has three episodes in a row where he plays a police officer named Mike Kiley. Hmm. Um, but the weird thing is, at least according to IMDb, in his first appearance, he's credited as detective. In his second appearance, he's credited as lieutenant, and in his third, he's credited as captain. <laughs> so he's just, like, flying up the ranks. Like, maybe he just does something great in all three episodes. But it's kind of the opposite of Gregory Sierra, who, in his first episode, is a general. Yeah. In his second episode, he's a colonel. And then his third episode, he's a captain. <laughs> so it's funny. So, uh, at the, at the, still at the accident site, Nikki and MacGyver start poking around together, and Mac finds this weird device implanted this, this piece isn't on the inventory yeah. for this machinery also pete should have probably have seen that this yeah. clearly patched in device yeah is in there um and he believes now that pete was set up yeah like or th this wasn't an accident he's he's insinuating that the end result was to set up pete right uh, which is kind of a big leap yeah. I mean, like, this could have been any any number of what reasons. What if it was just, like, an ex-wife of one of the scientists disarming the missile that or, was like, yeah. I want to kill my husband. Or or the government trying to, to prove that disarmament procedures are too dangerous and it's better to keep these things active. Or, like, an enemy disarmament company that was like, should have gone with us. Yeah, exactly. I know they underbid us over at the Phoenix Foundation, but this is what happens. Yep. This is what happens, Larry. <laughs> Someone in charge was named Larry. <laughs> You see what happens? That's what happens when you feed a walrus scrambled eggs, Larry. <laughs> That's, that reference is going over some heads, I think. <laughs> Probably some. Unless they've watched The Big Lebowski on TBS. <laughs> and they see some creative censorship. So, uh, the next act opens up with uh, Mac and Nikki heading to Pete's place looking for him. Looking for Pete. But again, right. he has disappeared. Which is the second time in the series that we've actually seen the interior of of Pete's place. Right. And this, and both in, the, both in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, cause even when, uh, he was sick, uh, broke his legs, he went over to, yeah, he, he stayed, just stayed with at MacGyver's place. Um, and when they were tenting Pete's place, were they tenting that whole building, I guess? I guess they must've. If it was the same, if it was still when he was living there. It seems like Pete would have the money to be able to, to afford a, a condo or a house or something. Yeah. But, you know, this is where he is. Tiny apartment full of books. He's probably still paying his ex-wife quite a bit. That's true. That's definitely what's happening. Um, but uh, since Pete's not there, Nikki now demands that she take possession of the evidence, take it to Weber, and follow the chain of command. And MacGyver's like, do you realize that the person with the biggest motive right now is Weber because he's yeah. the one who took over Pete's job? And she's, she's offended because, probably because she's dating him, and MacGyver calls her out on it. Yeah. But I also feel like Okay, DSX is a government organization. You get so many benefits working for the government. You get, like, there's there's pay opportunities. There's you're, you're doing all these undercover missions where you can be evil and everything. Why would he want Pete's job working for a, like, non-profit think tank? Right. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense that he would want to make that switch. I guess to give him opportunities like this where for this one specific opportunity yeah well on and maybe other future opportunities that could come up where foreign dignitaries for yeah like it it's it's a uh, of what the doctor evil's country Virtucon. yeah <laughs> like it's a, this is weird i i'm looking at this paperwork i just noticed the last seven security details we put phoenix foundation on we never found the uh, dignitaries that were visiting. <laughs> they all died. That's, that's weird that that happened, right? Yeah, that's strange. I'll talk to Weber about it next time I see him. 
Um, <laughs> uh, he just keeps firing all the people below yep. him. This is the only person who's worked at the company for more than a week. <laughs> uh, back at the rail yard, uh, Weber's men in the next door uh, train car have now been armed with uh, dart guns, presumably knockout darts, not poison darts. Yeah. Because then you just use a silenced gun. And we get the classic, like, grabbing at your neck with the right. dart already between your fingers, so it looks like you just caught it the second it hit oh, you. Oh, I've been hit with this dart. <laughs> it's a classic special effect. Um, but uh, just as they're trying to get underway, uh, they get word that Nikki is looking for Weber at the site. And so Weber's like, okay, well, I'll go deal with her. You go deal with these guys. Right. Um, and so Weber meets with Nikki, I guess, in the train station's restaurant. I guess uh, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't tell what that place was supposed to be, but yeah, you're probably right. It, it's it's a restaurant, but I guess like... It's after hours, because there's no food anywhere. The right. lights are all off. I mean, this seems like a harder location to secure than a hotel. Yeah. Like, because this is like a public transport location. People are going to be coming in and out. Yeah, there's going to be like hobos hopping on train yeah. cars. They might just accidentally get on the wrong train car and then get shot by secret yeah. service agents. Well, yeah, they got to watch out for the bulls. Right. You know, the bulls run those, uh... <laughs> Making some classic hobo references here. <laughs> you ever see Emperor of the North? I don't think I did. Uh, uh, it's a pretty crazy movie about, uh... uh God, I'm blanking on the guy's name. The Dirty Dozen. Main actor in the Dirty Dozen. Yeah, the Dirty Dozen. Uh, Blofeld? Tully Savalas? No, well, he dirty, have, Tully Savalas is the Dirty Dozen. The, the commander of, uh... The Dirty Dozen. Lee Marvin. God, Lee I don't know why Marvin, I couldn't yeah. think of Lee Marvin's name. I was going to say, I was like, it's like Lee Harvey, but it's not yeah. Lee Harvey Oswald. <laughs> this, is, this is a pointless answer. You could probably cut it. But um, Lee Marvin is a hobo. He's like the greatest hobo ever, and he's going to do <laughs> one last hobo run <laughs> on right. this train that's run by Ernest and Borgnine. And he's given up. Yeah. And Ernest Borgnine is like the most evil train bull ever. He, he's like Borgnine. burns people with with steam and hits them with pipes and stuff like that, like to get the, these things. Like he's infamous, so like the big thing would be to ride his train with the most infamous bull. Um, it's a pretty crazy movie. Yeah. Um, it's just a silly premise. It's he just like, passed like away pretty hobo. recently, right? Because I made the joke when he when uh, Borgnine died that I said, "I hope you're having fun in earnest heaven with with Hemingway and P. Worrell." <laughs> But, uh, yeah. Yeah, Borgnine, he, Borgnine died pretty recently, because, like, Red, I think, was his last... That's right, he was in Red. His last film. I think he was, like, 90-something. Yeah. He still looked good. Yeah. He was he was on Saturday Night Live not long before he passed away, too. Mm -hmm. uh, so, Nikki was with Weber, and she says, this is the evidence, here you go, hands it over to him. And he says, well, I'm glad you brought this to me. Don't worry, I'm going to take care of this. But Nikki is like, well, I want to tell everybody now. Let's let's wake everybody up. Yeah, yeah. And tell them right now, Pete's innocent. This wasn't this wasn't an accident. And, and then she's like, if you want to, I'll tell him. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the weirdest line read. Like, you mean if you don't want to, or if you want me to, I'll tell uh -huh. him. But she says, if you want to, I'll tell him. Because yeah. I hate you. <laughs> I want to do whatever you don't want. I hate the way you say yesterday's newspaper. <laughs> Instead of just yesterday's news. Or old news. I think people would go with old news. Yeah. But Weber, for some reason, says, MacGyver, that's yesterday's newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> it's everything he can do to not say, it's yesterday's newspaper publication issue uh, delivery. <laughs> he always goes, he never shortens anything. like yeah. the, um, Except for DSX, because he forgets what it stands for. Yeah. Hence, hence his uh, <laughs> dyslexia. <laughs> yeah. uh, so he pulls a gun out uh, on Nikki, and while uh, now Amunde has been captured by uh, his men, Weber's men. Right. And so they all kind of meet up together now in the train car. Amunde's set, sit down, and Nikki's brought in, and for some reason, yeah, like he he could have he should have just the killed second her. he pulled a gun on her, he should have killed her because there's there's no getting out of that. Yeah. He has to kill her eventually. Yeah. Um, there's no point in bringing her. To the scene of... Uh... Yeah, letting her in on more information. Mm -hmm. Not only did I screw up this other mission the Phoenix Foundation is in charge of, I'm also screwing up this one. Yeah. So now you have two things on me. Maybe I can 
Maybe I can play this off to my advantage. Let me show you what's going on in today's newspaper publication. <laughs> um, so uh, the next act opens up with MacGyver meeting Pete at the accident site. Because once again, Sam has let another person who doesn't yeah. work for the company. He's like, look, you guys, we're all friends. <laughs> just and, just uh, come on in. I, I've been wanting to quit this job for a long time. Oh, yeah, but I, but I want to be fired so I can get out We also learn later that Sam is one of many people who have been transitioned to different places in the company. Correct. Like how he tried to he tried to send uh, Nikki out to research. Right. And uh, Sam Mulligan was originally supposed to be in like the planning team, mm. and now he's been downgraded to like security guard yeah babysitting a empty room basically and he's like the saddest kind of security guard in that he doesn't even have that tiny television that a security guard generally has yeah. so he's literally like when macgyver walks in he's just staring at his phone <laughs> just hoping it will ring and someone will talk to him <laughs> trying to come up with as many like like bog playing boggle with the, the numbers on the phone yeah. uh i found 89 <laughs> that's, that's great sam <laughs> Oh, I meant the letters. Using the letters no, on no, the no. phone. You, <laughs> you meant numerical numbers. Numerical words. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so so Pete is just kind of like lamenting the whole situation that he's in. Um, but MacGyver is now telling him, oh, no, that, you know, Pete, this was sabotage. It wasn't your fault. Um, let's go get your job back. But even Pete's like, well, wait a minute. I, t- I can't just get my job back. It doesn't work that way. Um, Pete's very pleased to know that it wasn't his fault and yeah. that somebody else is the cause. But until He's they... not convinced that it's Weber, and he, do- he feels like Weber's doing a decent job. And then yeah. MacGyver brings up all these other points. Oh, well, he fired all of your team heads yeah. like his first day. And he transferred Sam here. Look. Oh, yeah, look Sam over there. Sam's supposed to be on the planning committee. <laughs> Sam. Now he's sitting here just letting everybody walk around willy-nilly. <laughs> I found 56. <laughs> There's like just two teenagers like having sex in the corner. He's just letting anybody in here. <laughs> I hate my job. Oh, I found 45. <laughs> <laughs> this is easy. <laughs> I'm going to win. Nobody's even looking at this phone. <laughs> <laughs> Sam's slow descent in the madness. Oh. Let's hope he finds God yeah. before the next episode. <laughs> uh, and uh, so they now, now that they're in order to convince Pete, they're hacking into the Phoenix Foundation on Sam's computer. <laughs> yeah, on Sam's computer with Pete's ID card, which inexplicably hasn't been disconnected from the system. Right. Um, which is just like a, like a parking validation kind of slip of paper with a, the look little black magnetic yeah. strip. They just put it into a some kind of card reader. Yeah, uh, I mean it sounds realistic enough, and but the weird thing is that he's been d- gone from this job for a week now. Yeah, I mean it's been at least four days, but probably five or six. Exactly. At this point. So uh, that thing, the numbers on that card should have been invalid. Yeah, but. And MacGyver's should have been still valid. So why couldn't they use MacGyver's? Maybe it's just because everyone got fired and they just forgot. Uh, the whole company got fired. That that could be... That's actually not blo- pretty plausible. And Pete would have been the only one to have access to high-level information. Yeah. Including Weber's complete and plan. And because Weber was, was recommended by Pete, he knew that Pete wouldn't bother to go investigate him specifically. Yeah. So Weber has his entire assault plan on a moon day digitized on his computer and fully animated. <laughs> yeah, he, like, hired an animator to come in and, can you draw stick figures climbing around on a train and kidnapping a foreign dignitary? I, I can. Do you really want it to look like that? How about just a vague wording? Yeah. Do you really want it to be written out so so explicitly? I want it to look like number munchers. I love number munchers. <laughs> I love beating guy. the prime numbers. <laughs> what do you mean 12 isn't a prime number? <laughs> <laughs> Get so mad. Um, There's so many factors to 12. Come on, Weber. Yeah. <laughs> He's being Two, cut. three, four, six. Jesus. Uh, so, uh, Weber now uh, back at the train yard. Weber's getting ready to chemically torture 
Amunde uh, when he's not talking. Like, is it chemical torture or was he like sodium pentothal? I feel like it was chemical torture because he said it's, it's going to cause like your brain to feel like it's swelling and people have get heart attacks and convulsions and okay. I, I feel like it was just it was whatever it was is it just makes you hurt. Yeah, it makes you feel pain. Does he ever get injected with any of it? Or? No, no, no. Because uh, just as they're going to get started, uh, the drug that uh, Weber's going to use is called the converter because. Uh, the pain that it causes causes men to scream out for God. <laughs> and presumably they didn't believe in God in the first place. Oh, yeah, I guess. Um, but, but he gives them one day ten minutes to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> ten minutes? Why not just give it to him now? Time. I can give it to you right now and start getting vital information, but I'm going to give you ten minutes in case someone wants to show up and interrupt the plan. <laughs> yeah. Ten minutes seems like plenty of time to, to completely foil my plans. It's like, Murdoch, like, all right, wait ten minutes and then fire a rocket launcher at the car. Well, I could do it now. What did I say? What did I say do it now? Follow. I don't think I did. Yeah. Or the when Jack and the, the botanist Mike are put in the basement, give you 24 hours to think yeah. about it. It's a lot of time to think. It doesn't take that long to think. Uh... <laughs> so we could go kill him right now, Dad. It'd be like a father son thing. <laughs> you just you just don't get it, do you, Scott? Uh, so uh, Mac and Pete are now uh, in the train yard, and they're kind of hiding around while uh, Weber is planning to take out Nikki to execute her. Uh, why he's not just doing it in the train car, or just tie her up under a train so that she gets cut in half or something? Yeah. I'm just thinking practically. Yeah, exactly. Like, because you know, make it look like an accident. She was on security detail, and she fell underneath the train, and she was unconscious, and the train pulled out. That's perfectly plausible. Suspicious, but plausible. Right. Um. So, uh, as he's taking Nikki down the uh, the aisle of trains, like the on one of the platforms, which is completely covered in steam, by the way. Right. I don't know if in in at least in the '80s, if modern electric trains. Gave off that much steam. Gave off that much steam. Maybe if they all had the heaters running at the same time, and it's yeah, just I like mean, the exhaust. Because the, the, the locomotives are usually diesel electric. Yeah. And so I assumed everything else would be mostly electric, unless it's some kind of pneumatic steam system for the rest of the train. I don't really know how trains yeah. work that way. But it just seemed like it. they were trying to get like this gritty... Make it look like a old like, school. Like 1950s or something like that, yeah. with just steam engines like billowing out all on the tracks yeah um but uh pete and mac dive out and knock out weber and uh i can't one of the other guys that's with them i can't I remember think it's reese and but uh weber manages to pull out another gun which we see him tuck into his coat pocket earlier right. so and uh so he's holding nikki but then nikki fights him off and uh so weber just starts just books it and yeah. uh so pete chases after weber while Nikki and MacGyver are left to secure Amunde. Right. So Mac's plan is to climb up on top of the train with one of the steam hoses and flood the train car with right. steam. Uh, in the meantime, Pete catches up with Weber, and they just have a friggin' brawl, yeah. and it is crazy. Yeah, it's like for much with love if it was outside the train. Yeah, like Pete is just getting beat the hell, and they're both like covered in blood and grease from yeah. the trains. And Weber tries to like pick, hit him with a pipe. It's a really intense set of set of like fights, and he's like goading him on. You're old, Pete. You're old and soft, and pushing papers too it's long. It's kind of the same as the fight at the end of uh, Family Matter. Yeah, like just the two old men going at it. Mm-hmm. It's funny because he makes that the the idiom. You've been pushing papers too long. It was like you've been pushing papers across your desk for work for too long. Yeah. Mac and Nikki successfully like flood the 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 train car with steam. Yeah. Which is really the only. It's not even really a MacGyverism. There really are no MacGyverisms in this episode. That's true. Um, he's just just using stuff to make stuff happen. It's not like I'm like inventing anything. Yeah. Uh, and so when they run out of the train, they they knock the two guys out, and Pete wheels in a unconscious Weber. All and Pete's just like his face is all. Bruised. It's all swollen, and he's like, he's got a loose tooth, he says, yeah. and he just looks like he's beat to crap. He looks he, like a hobo. Yeah, his it hair is like all, the, what little hair he has is all askew. Yeah. Um, he looks like Bill Murray at the end of uh, Kingpin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His hair is just like all over the place. <laughs> uh, 
Um, and uh, so the next scene is the the news giving a press conference uh, with a moon day. And, and instead moon... of saying, just as I suspected the Americans have tried to kill me, yeah. he's saying, oh, I love America and all their do-gooders. Yeah. And, and then it cuts to MacGyver watching the press conference and he says, he didn't even thank us. And it's like, yeah. what? Shut up. <laughs> like, they, he didn't publicly thank us for preventing his assassination. No, he didn't because we asked him kindly not to mention the assassination. Yeah, exactly. But but even he's but even Munde saying you know if 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 the American president was in my country I might have tried the same kind of thing. Yeah, and it's like there's no way he would admit to that. Yeah, he's a total hypocrite. There's no way he would have said that. Um, so Pete's moving back into his office, and uh, uh, Weber's apparently been imprisoned already. Right. Uh, there's no trial. Um, no, none necessary. <laughs> no, go go directly to jail. Um, Nikki sees like his shrunken head and he's I'm going to send this over to Weber and Leavenworth. I think he'd like to see a familiar face. Boom. Cut. Yeah. It's like cut she to black. She barely even finishes saying the word face before credits are rolling. Yeah. They must have really run running long with this episode. Yeah. And they said, oh, we need to cut something. Yeah. Just cut the, cut the ending. Yeah. We don't but need what a... about, don't we, don't we usually end on a freeze frame of MacGyver and Pete laughing? Yeah. No, no, we don't have time for that one shot. Yeah. Just cut while Nikki's in mid turn. Yeah. Making a sentence statement, never even getting their reaction to the statement. Yeah. Just black. Uh, and that's the episode. Yeah, that's the end like, of the episode. Yeah, that's it. I like this episode a lot, actually. Yeah, it's it's a decent plot. And, uh, you know, there's nuclear bombs and mm-hmm. assassination attempts and everything. Yeah. So there's there's a lot. It has a lot going for it. There's, like, there's like sabotage and... Espionage. You know, yeah, it's all, all the Ages. All, all the best Ages. <laughs> And uh, collage. <laughs> There's a montage. I don't think there is. <laughs> no, no montage. No. So unless one, you count the opening credits, we're shy of one. Well, yeah. I'm gonna go ahead and call that. There we go. We got all the options accounted for. I just checked. That's the four of them. <laughs> Science checks out. Thank you, France, for your wonderful options. <laughs> um. Yeah. It's a. It's an exciting episode. Um. Probably one of the more exciting episodes that we've had. Um, consistently, yeah. like the the bombing episode, uh, the, the countdown. Uh, uh, no, no, the, in like this far as the season with the mail truck. Oh, right. Like that right, was right. like an, an exciting finish. Yeah. And there was like a lot of build up. Nikki, you know, keeps getting attacked and stuff. There's some excitement, but this this like I felt like while the stakes weren't as high as in that because this is just like more like Pete and and a minor international incident. Yeah. Um, we care about Pete, and we don't want Pete to be forced out. Right. And uh, we don't want him to leave on this sour note yeah and also getting to stop an assassination so yeah it was it was a good episode no macgyverisms really as i said yeah but it's also neat though that we get all these people that are going to show up again or Mm -hmm. that have already shown up before but will continue to show up yeah so that we can refer back to this one i got really excited when you said weber was in another episode i was like oh that's awesome yeah like they go and visit him in prison and he's just like hello clary yeah but no it's a clip show episode so that's too bad, but I, I think you would have liked to see him like in a jail cell, just cradling his shrunken head, like, ah, uh, yes. No, well, like, but they, but they need something from him, and yeah. so he bargains like for his freedom, and they have to take him or along. Or to be released to like a less yeah. secure prison or something. Yeah, like it's that. like, oh man, that would have been, that would have been something intense, you know. Yeah. Uh, but you know, that's putting a lot of a lot of forethought into. If I was going to change anything about this episode, I would just fix all the TSXs. Yeah, that would be it. Other than that, I think this is a pretty solid one. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the The Martian? Yeah. Oh yeah. I haven't seen it yet, but I read the book recently. Okay. And it's such a MacGyver book. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. so much of it is. I mean, it takes some of my favorite parts of Apollo thirteen and just makes the whole story that like, mm-hmm. oh well, it turns out that we're we're all going to die unless we do this, and right? Like, we have to find a way to turn this into this, and uh, if if any of our listeners haven't uh, haven't checked out the book or the movie of the martian mm-hmm. it's it's definitely a, a macgyver fan yeah oh uh, absolutely story this this guy is just you know he gets left with a bunch of ingredients on mars and he has to macgyver his way back to earth and uh, it's really interesting the way he's able to come up with some of the stuff and just particularly the chemical engineering and stuff like yeah, that yeah, is yeah. really interesting to me also i was going to mention i i just saw have you have you noticed on netflix a movie just showed up called adult world no it's got uh, Emma Roberts and John Cusack. 
and um, it's just like a, a kind of low budget independent movie. I mean, it's it's well done. It's a and movie. John, uh, yeah, it's a movie. John Cusack is great in it, and it's about this this girl who like wanted to be a poet, and right now she's settling for working at like. It's basically a sex shop, like a mm. store that sells like toys and videos and stuff like that. And, but her her favorite poet is like in town, and so she keeps like trying to bother him, and that's John Cusack's character. And it's it's really well written and everything. Mm-hmm. And there was one scene where she goes into a bookstore because she's trying to find a job, and the manager of the bookstore comes out, and I was like, this guy looks really familiar. And then when the movie ended, the credits came up, and it says directed by Scott Coffey. Scott Coffey played uh, Pete's son oh, in Family Matter. okay. And he was the guy that owned the bookstore, so he played a character in it. But when I was watching it, I was like, there's no way this is the same Scott Coffey that was... But, but he directed it? Yeah, he directed the movie. Oh, wow. He didn't write it, but he directed it. But it's really well directed, and mm-hmm. it's an interesting movie. I definitely recommend people check oh, it out. I'll but, check. Yeah, I definitely want to check it Pete's out. But Pete's estranged son directed the film and makes an appearance uh, as a bookstore owner. Um within it but it's it's worth checking out i thought it was it's a pretty funny movie and almost everything john cusack says is just super yeah. hilarious i mean in anything but in particular this movie i, I really enjoyed his performance yeah. as, as much as he's disappeared from like major films he's still continuing to cr- put out a lot of a lot of smaller films and i never feel like he's half-assing it he no, always feels yeah. like like every, i can't remember a time i've been disappointed with his performance in anything mm-hmm. even like ridiculous stuff i usually yeah like, like honestly like i i am like a big supporter of the movie 1408 Sure. Um, which is I haven't like, seen that one. It's a silly horror film. With it's got Sam Jackson and Sam Jackson. Yeah, but I mean, it's mostly a, a bottle room episode, bottle right. episode yeah. with John Cusack. Is and that based on a Stephen King book? Yeah. Okay. And there are four endings, and the best ending is the ending you can't see anymore except on a crappy YouTube video. Oh, really? Yeah. That's weird. Yeah, I was very upset when I bought the Blu-ray because I was like, oh my gosh, this is so great. And every time I was like, they have all the alternate endings except that one. That's weird. Yeah, but anyway, getting off topic. But, uh, I think the only Joan Cusack movie that I'm not 100% behind is Identity. Yeah. Which is really the script's fault, and not at all his yeah, fault. Yeah, I, 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 he was fine in it. But it's kind of like how I'll, I'll never fault Nicolas Cage for anything that he's bad, like that's bad with him in it, because mm-hmm. he's always pulling his weight. Yeah. Like, no matter what, he gives everything 110%. Him and, like, Matthew McConaughey and all those guys that it's like, people totally underestimate these guys, but they're so perfect in everything. Mm-hmm. Even, like, the worst possible script, they just, like, I don't care. This is a movie. I'm getting paid. I'm going to do my job, and I'm going exactly. to do it as, hard, as well as I can. But um, getting a little off topic. Yeah. Guess, but, um, this was a fun episode. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and, uh, I look forward to next week's episode. Oh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you guys are, uh, if you guys want to share any of your thoughts on this one, uh, you can find us on Twitter at Opening Gambit. You can find us on Facebook.com slash Phoenix Foundation Podcast or, as always, our website, phoenixfoundationpodcast.com. And uh, if you're digging the show, feel free to review us on iTunes. And actually, as a a sort of a a news segment for the show, um, there there was an announcement that was made very recently um, about a MacGyver film. Mm -hmm. A MacGyver movie. Um, Now, this had been talked about for a little while. Yeah. And James Wan... James Wan was supposed to do it, and then he was he was tapped to direct uh, Fast and Furious Seven, mm-hmm. and basically dropped the project. Right, but now apparently maybe he's back on. Yeah, and he <laughs> wants to. It's I mean I don't know if he's directing the movie, but he's mm-hmm. at least executive producing it. Right. They said it's happening alongside the TV show, so this isn't instead of the TV show. Yeah, it's both. Um, both and are it happening. actually has. Uh, um, I'm blanking on his name now. Uh, Lee David Slotoff is actually involved. Yeah. Uh, in in the film, which I don't think he was listed as the producer for the show originally, right? Uh, but uh, for the film, like, which is curious, then what the film's going to be like? If it's right. going to be Richard Dean, or is it going to be related I don't to the show? So. Well, he said it was a prequel. Okay, prequel. so it's about when MacGyver is being originally recruited for. Um, I there I I think the the premise of the movie is that he's joining the Phoenix Foundation. Okay, instead of him joining the dxs which is what it, an actual prequel would have been right. so um, do you believe then that it will take place in modern times i think it will be lead into a new show that would be yeah that would be my guess right. is that and and just judging from the fact that this is the way these things usually work i would guess the movie will be out before the tv show starts mm-hmm. because i think they'll use the movie as like a jumping off point for a tv show well if will forte isn't in the movie at all 
even in just a small role. Yeah. I, will be very I think upset. the fans will be disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> the fans of MacGyver would hate it if Will Forte was not in this movie. Mm-hmm. No. I think me and you are probably the only two MacGyver fans that actually loved MacGruber. <laughs> I think everyone else seems to hate it. Um, yeah. But uh, I'm excited for that. Mm-hmm. Although I do worry that if the movie's bad enough that they will cancel the TV show. That's true. Um, so maybe maybe it wouldn't be so terrible if the TV show started first. Also, it builds an audience for the right. movie. And this isn't for the female MacGyver either, right? Right. Yeah. So this th- is... Which is kind of a weird, because they made such a big deal about that. Yeah, but then it's not really a real thing. It's kind of like there was some engineering school that got mm-hmm. in touch with Lee David's Lodoff that said, hey, we want to have a competition for for the next MacGyver series, and, and I don't think anything was ever actually really going to happen with that. Mm. It was just kind of like, we well, want more women signing up to for the engineering program, and so we're going to try and bring in a lot of publicity through this through this competition. Well, that's very sad. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but um, but I'll, I'll see a new one that sounds like a legitimate series if mm. CBS wants to put a pilot together, even if it dies as a pilot. I'd still be interested in seeing that pilot. Um, but yeah, so I'm excited for that. Yeah, I'm very excited. Yeah, it could be cool. Um, although, I, from what I had read of James Wan's idea for wow. the thing, it was not it was not my favorite story. It didn't sound very much like MacGyver to me. It sounded more like, uh, I want to show a guy who's really smart, but then explosions still happen around him. Which is kind of like... Yeah. I mean, this is a bad example, because I really like the, uh, the Robert Downey Jr., uh, Sherlock Holmes, mm-hmm. but I feel like it would be that version of MacGyver, where it's like, okay. like he's not, he uses inductive reasoning and mm-hmm. uh, or deductive reasoning, and uh, but still stuff explodes. But but just things are exploding all around him uh-huh. all the time, and I feel like that's what MacGyver would be now. It would be, but well, depending but, on who they get to direct it, it could with, be amazing. With Zlanoff involved, then maybe it wouldn't be. But he was barely involved in the TV show. Like, aside from coming up with the character, like, he didn't write a single episode after the pilot, and he really wasn't even a part of the production at all. Um, but, I mean, it is his baby, and he mm-hmm. kind of did direct... He directed it from from having put the character together in the right, first episode. Right. But, yeah. Very excited. Yeah. More more, more information as it, as it yeah. is We'll uh, keep you uncovered. posted as, as things unfold for that. Um, but, uh... I like James Wan. I like the work that he's oh, yeah. done in the past. Um, Fast Seven is is decent, mm-hmm. and, and the Conjuring's yeah. have been good. Um, I've enjoyed those. I don't. I didn't really uh, watch all of the Saw or was it Saw? He did Saw, right? Yeah, he did Saw. Yeah, I didn't. I haven't seen all of those yet, but I know they have a pretty big following mm-hmm. too. So, um, could be good. Mm-hmm. And uh, any updates we get, we'll, we will let you guys in on. Also, slim possibility that I would work on it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's true. Just because I've worked on James Wan films before, and so uh, if he decides to go through our company for dailies and stuff like that, mm-hmm. I might actually get to work on that, which would be neat. Yeah, very neat. So, um, but we'll see if that happens. See if I'll get a credit in the MacGyver movie. <laughs> <laughs> with, your, with your name spelled correctly this time. That'd be nice. I don't know if, how much of you uh, checked out Hateful Eight to see <laughs> Patrick O'Reilly spelled incorrectly, but um, I noticed. I noticed. <laughs> hopefully, they'll get it right this time. Um, yeah, I think that's it for the movie update. Mm-hmm. Tune in next week. We're going to be covering uh, season three, episode thirteen, Thin Ice. Thin Ice. Which is awful. <laughs> the only thing that's thin in that episode is, is the, the plot. plot. <laughs> um, yeah. So go ahead and actually. I almost feel like saying you can go ahead and skip that one. There's really not much there. There's there's no real story, and it's just yeah. it's literally just an episode of him coaching hockey. But but tune in anyway. Yeah, tune in because we'll, we'll have gonna, some funny things to say. We have to watch all of these. <laughs> <laughs> so thin ice is rough, um, but we're gonna cover it. We're yeah. not just gonna skip that one. No, no. Um, so check it out and enjoy. Or just tune in in a couple weeks. I'm sure yeah. there's a good one after that. Yeah. Is it odd triple? Odd triple. Yeah. Is that is that yeah, it's like we had this. We had the lull and then back to back to action. Odd triple's fun. We get we get Bruce McGill back. Mm-hmm. Tune in two weeks from now <laughs> for season three, episode fourteen. Odd triple with uh, Vernon Wells. Vernon returns, Wells returns. The show. Yeah. Um, yeah. Check that one out. That's a great one. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Bye.